God is good all the time. Is anyone wondering what we're doing up here? So uh, the plan was we had a staff picture this morning. We have a Christmas uh, announcement coming out about all the things going on at, at, at Warm Heart Church over Christmas. And one of the, on the back side, we have a picture of the ministry staff, you know, just saying Merry Christmas. Uh, but uh, Jacob puts us in another place. Instead of a wall, he puts us behind some something Christmas. I'm not sure what he's going to put us uh, behind this year. Uh, but this was put up. We, we had this up for our church photo. Uh, so he could, you know, put us anywhere. Uh, th- three of our five ministry staff people all wore green here. <laughs> And so they would just totally disappear and be a floating head. So we, had a, we did the picture over there, but we thought, let's keep it up for Bible study. That's, this way Jacob could put me in uh, Corinth or something biblically uh, for those who are watching. I don't know if that's even possible for one time. So we're doing a podium. <laughs> put me on the Titanic, wherever you want to put me. I don't care. It's in space, up in space. Uh, so we're just kind of goofing with it today. Uh, we did a uh, we had a we had a Christmas thing called Night in Bethlehem where all the families would show up and we turned our big room into a Bethlehem village, and my job was the photo booth. I had a green screen, and I would put the kids in uh, all sorts of different scenes: Santa scenes, uh, Snoopy Christmas. They were in Bethlehem riding a donkey or whatever. It was uh, it's kind of fun with doing doing green screen. Let's pray. God above, we live in a topsy-turvy kind of world. We never know what the next day is going to bring, and sometimes it's blessings, and sometimes it's, uh, it's not. But we know in all things you are there. In all things we find hope. In all things we can find faith. And in all things we can find love. We ask your blessings upon those who are gathered here today, those who are watching us online, that we study your word, that it might might help us to find a little bit more faith, a little bit more hope, and a little bit more love, as Paul talks about the greatest of these. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Feels weird standing. I'm going to probably be sitting next week. I like sitting there. Uh, We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, probably one of the most famous chapters in all of the Bible. One-fourth, about one-fourth of all my weddings use this passage in in, in the wedding speech uh, because it speaks about love. Uh, Let's jump into this. Let's do verses one through three, just that one paragraph. And while Lisa looks for a volunteer, I just want to remind you the, the, the very last verse of the previous chapter... And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, And give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love. I gain nothing. 
You might remember from the last previous chapters how the Corinthian Christians were just enamored, just loved spiritual gifts. We can't wait to get spiritual gifts. Holy Spirit, give us the gift of this, of that, of that, of this. Give me the gift of prophecy. Give me the gift of tongues. Give me the gift of, you know, all those little miracles working within us. And Paul reminds them that even with all these gifts, it is meaningless without love. That's what you're missing. Hey, you in Corinth. Yeah, you, the one with all the, uh, uh, all, all the temples to the goddesses of love out there. You don't know what real love is. You might, not, you might know bodily love. You might know family love. You might know friendship love. But let me tell you about God's love. Without love, a person may speak with the gift of tongues, but it just might as well be sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Uh, it's nothing but empty noise. Uh, a lot of times in these, uh, in the red light district, if you will, uh, a lot of times the ladies or, or men would, would try to get people's attention by banging on pots and pans. Hey, I got something for sale up here. Come on by, come on by. Uh, that's kind of where he's going with this. Uh, when, he, when he talks about uh, clanging brass or uh, sounding brass or clanging cymbals, it's not just poetic. That's what they did in, in Corinth. Uh, tongues of men's and angels, the ancient Greek word uh, translated into tongues um, has a simple idea of languages. We talked about that, I think it was last week, how sometimes the gift of tongues could just mean being able to speak in other languages. Uh, here, here it shows that maybe angels have their own language as well. If I could speak in the gift of, of, of men and of, of angels. We don't know what language angels speak, but they speak to us in, uh, in what, and, and we hear them. Then the, the neat thing is angels has, uh, throughout the uh, Old Testament, New Testament, have spoken to people of different languages. God's going to make it known. Whatever God wants to tell you, doesn't matter what language you speak. He'll, uh, he'll get to you. Prophecy, knowledge, faith, to do miracles um, are irrelevant apart from love. They missed the motive and the goal of the gifts. They made the gifts the goal. And Paul draws them back to, to love. He quotes the, uh, he, he even quotes Jesus in here. If I have a faith that can move mountains. And I could see the Corinthian Christians going, wouldn't it be great if I could move mountains? But without that love, it just doesn't matter. I am, I am nothing. Uh, I saw one quote, a man with, a, with that kind of faith can move great mountains, but he will set them down in the path of somebody or right on somebody else if he doesn't have love. Uh, Paul uses the Greek word for love, one of the Greek words the, of total love, and we all know that word to be agape. The Greeks had many different words we could translate into love. I think we went through this once, but I'll just touch on it for fun. Uh, Paul chooses the Greek word agape here. Eros is another word for love. Eros is where we get the word erotic. Uh, storge, the second word for love, family love. Love between parent and child. Love between uh, family members in general. Philia. 
Third word for love, brotherly love. Uh, I'm sure you know this. Uh, Delphi is the word for brother. Philae, love. Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. And agape, fourth word for love. A love that loves without changing. A love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. It is a love to the unlovable. It is love to the unappealing. It is love that loves even when it's rejected. That's, that's agape kind of love. Uh, agape. We get another word from that, but it's on the negative side. Uh, the word agony. Agony is a, a, a form of the word Agape. Agony is where you just where you love and you love and you love and you're not loved in return. You are in agony. Uh, or you do all your best and it doesn't work out. Uh, if I give all I possess to the poor, again, words of Jesus. It's uh, what Jesus told a rich young ruler to do, and he refused. But even if the rich young ruler had done what Jesus said and not have love, uh, it would have been for no profit. You got to do it for love. I remember the old story of a, um, someone was in the off, you know, was someone sitting in the pew and the offertory plate goes by, and the, and the guy goes into his wallet, pulls out a bill, and drops it in, and then he realizes that he dropped in a hundred dollars. He wanted to throw in five dollars, so he told the guy, "Hold up! Hold up! Hold up!" Come back up, and and he takes the hundred back and he puts the five. You know, he wants to change out for the five, and the and the usher says, "No, no, 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 no! You put it in there; it's it's gone." And uh, the guy says, "Well, fine. Well, I'll get credit for it. I'll get credit for it in heaven." And the usher says, "Nah, you'll get credit for the five. Like, (laughs) yeah, I I don't tell that one in church, but it's just kind of a fun one to say. Though I give my body to be burned. Even if I lay my life down as, you know, in dramatic fashion, martyrdom, apart from love, the only reason to do it would be, uh, apart from love, would be look how cool I am, look how great I am, uh, look, what I, look at what I'm doing. Uh, and that's, I think that's one of the sins right there. Uh, there were some early Christians so arrogant to think that the blood of martyrdom would wash away any sin. And so it was done. They did it for selfish reasons, basically. Uh, they were so proud about their ability to endure suffering for Christ that uh, they didn't do it for love. Many Christians believe that the Christian life is all about sacrifice. Sacrificing your money, sacrificing your life, your time for the cause of Jesus Christ. And honestly, sacrifice is, is somewhere in there. But without love, why you're doing it, it's useless. Everything described in, uh, in this passage is good. Tongues, good. Prophecy, good. Knowledge, faith, sacrifice, good. But love is so valuable, so important, that apart from it, every other good thing is useless. In verse 1, it reminds me of something that I, I learned some time ago when I was taking a semester of historical worship. And it says, uh, I become bra- like uh, brass or clanging cymbal. And I learned that uh, a long time ago, 
when they would get up on a soapbox and try to preach a message uh, of their God or whatever they were trying to preach, if the people did not agree with them, they clapped. Whereas today, we clap to cheer them on and say, hey, you won the race, or you made that basketball hoop or shot. You know, we clap to cheer them on. But then they, they used to clap to drown them out so that nobody could hear. Ah. So, if I, so people clap on Sunday mornings, I know. Now I know the real reason. <laughs> I don't know if it's a new thing out there. One, th- this will get me in trouble on the YouTubes. One of the, you want you want to annoy me. You want to freak me out when you talk to me and you want to make a point. Ever see people do like this? And you don't listen to me. Do you ever have you ever seen that? God, just you are not that important to do that. So back off and just deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, yeah. Every now and then my kids do that to me just because they know they get to me. Hey, Dad, we want to go to Popeye's tonight. Like, hey, kid, make your own meal. <laughs> Keep clapping. Yeah, drown them out. I'll drown them out. I can't hear you. I'm applauding too much. <laughs> uh, let's do verses. Oh, the, probably the most uh, famous one in this uh, section. Four through seven. Four through seven. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Thirteen things. Lucky thirteen. What is this love, Paul, that you're talking about? How do we know if we have it? And the apostle here gives thirteen notes of a charitable person. Uh, Love is patient. I think King James says, does it say love suffers long? Sounds right. Long suffering? Yeah, patient. Love is kind. We see it by action words, not by lofty precepts. Paul's not telling how love feels. He's writing about how it is seen in action. Love is patient. Love endures a long time. It's the heart shown in God when it is said of the Lord, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Um, God keeps his promises. Maybe not in the time frame that we like, but he keeps them. Love is kind. When we have... When we have and show God's love, it will be seen in simple acts of kindness. Uh, one, of the, one of the best advice that someone gave me a long time ago is like, hey, when you start dating someone, find someone kind. If they're rude to their parents, if they're rude to the wait staff the, of the place that you took them out to, or if they're rude somewhere else, guess what? Someday, they'll be rude to you. A wonderful... Uh, measure of kindness is to see how children receive us. Uh, if, if kids like you, you're probably doing good. If kids are scared of you, uh, I won't say it because it's, it's, it'll be on the, on the TV, but there were, there were some neighbors that, we, that, that were kind, and there were some neighbors that you just didn't mess with. Um, they, just, they just weren't. They weren't kind. 
And then he gives us eight things that love is not. It's not envious. It's not proud, not arrogant, not rude, uh, not cliquish, not touchy, not suspicious, not happy with evil. (laughs) Envy. Envy is one of the least productive and most damaging of all sins. Uh, Envy murdered Abel. Envy enslaved Joseph. Envy put Jesus on the cross. Love is not proud. It does not parade itself around. Look how loving I am. Love and action can work anonymously. Does not have to have the limelight or the attention to do a good job. Sometimes the people who seem to work the hardest at love are probably those who are furthest from it. <laughs> love is not puffed up. It's another old-timey way of saying it. Uh, to be puffed up is to be arrogant and self-focused. Big head. Love does not get its head swelled, but it focuses on the need of others. Uh, there, was a, there was an old missionary, uh, one of the first one, the father of the missionary movement, if you will, William Carey. Uh, a lot of Christians over the world know who he, who he was, and they honor him. Came from a humble, humble place. He was a shoe repairman when, the, uh, when God called him to the mission field. And once when uh, Carrie was at a dinner party, there was a snobbish lord there. And uh, he tried to insult him and said, Mr. Carrie, I heard that you were a shoemaker. And Carrie said, no, I was, not a, I was not a shoemaker. I was only a cobbler. And today we still remember the name William Carey, and no one remembers who the snobbish lord was. <laughs> Don't have a big head about it. Uh, love does not read... Let's see. Not rude... Where there's love, there's kindness, good manners, Uh, not not like showy manners, not cultured manners, but just simply uh, not behaving rude. Love does not seek its own. These are just, just, this is what love is. Love is all these things. And if you want to give yourself a report card, take a look. How do you line up? Uh, We'll do an exercise here at the end with, uh, with that. Uh, but love is, is, love is only satisfied in the welfare, the comfort, and the salvation of all. Keeps no record of wrongs. Ooh, that's a tough one. Anyone keep record of wrongs? Oh, yeah. In 1960, you did this. Yeah, I got it written in my calendar to bring up. Yeah. Does the Lord keep record of wrongs? Yeah, I used to think so, but he has a pretty good eraser too. Uh, The sins or sins are thrown in the bottom of the sea. Uh, Love thinks no evil. Uh, I found one commentary that said this. There's a tribe in Polynesia where it was customary for each man to keep some reminder of his hatred for others. And they were, these reminders were suspended from the roofs of huts to keep the memory of, of the wrongs alive, real or imagined. Uh, most of us do the same. We just don't put it up on our walls. Four more things. Love is strong. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Always. All things. We might have hoped that Paul would have chosen any phrase but the word all. Always. 
not sometimes, not most of the time, always. That's tough. God calls us farther and deeper into love for him, for one another, for a perishing world. Love does not ask us to have it. We're not supposed to have an easy life of it. Self-love makes, is, is the aim. Love denies itself. It bears all things. Even the neighbors I don't like. Even the kid that I don't like at that time. Even whatever. All times. Uh, love believes all things. We never believe a lie, but, but choose to believe the best of others. That one's tough for me as well. Choose to believe the best in others. Uh, not everyone's crooked. Not everyone's out to get you. Hope's all things. Love has confidence in the future, not pessimism. Anytime we say it's going to be this way forever, it could even get worse. You know, that's, that's not hope. That's despair. Hope for the best. It might just work out that way. And love endures all things. The greatness of agape love is that it keeps on bearing and believing and hoping and it doesn't give up. And it turns enemies, uh, turns enemies into friends. It's pretty cool. There's a reason why Paul put this chapter in the midst of this whole discussion on spiritual gifts. Paul wants the Corinthian Christians to remember that giftedness is not the measure of maturity but the display of love is. Whatever gifts God has given you, the whole purpose was to love others. That's it. If you're not using your gift to help love others, it's, it's a wasted gift. All right, let's do eight, eight to 12. Eight to 12. We've got a short chapter here today. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is the in part disappears? When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Thank you. Love never fails. Paul addresses the overemphasis of the Corinthian Christians that they had on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now we're not talking like marriage love and that kind of, we're talking about Agape kind of love. The gifts that they have, they're, they are uh, they're temporary containers. Well, like, like you and I, we're jars of clay, right? Uh, if you've heard that phrase before, we are jars of clay where God's love could be made, made manifest. But we, we ourselves are just, we're just the clay. Therefore, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are appropriate in the present time, but they're not, they're not permanent. Uh, there's no need for prophecy when you get to heaven. There's no need for tongues when Jesus comes back. These are gifts to get us through. 
uh, in, in, in love, in community. Uh, the ancient Greek word for perfect, we were made perfect, is telos, T-E-L-O-S. Um, considering the way the New Testament uses this word, it, it speaks about the coming of Jesus or the revelations of, of heaven. We're going to be, someday we'll be perfect. Wouldn't that be nice? Where their tongues, they will cease. Uh, the gift of us, uh, some people think that the gift of tongues died out with the apostles, and some believe it kept on going, and we get that with the Pentecostals today, uh, the speaking in the tongues out there. Uh, but the idea is true. <laughs> you know, whatever gift you have someday will die with you, and you won't need it in heaven. I'm going to skip ahead. There we go. When, when I was a child, uh, childish things are appropriate for children. He's getting at the gifts that the Spirit brings. Uh, you know, when you get old and you, get, and you mature, you don't need those gifts anymore. Um, that's, that's what Paul is getting at. Uh, now I see in a mirror. What kind of mirrors did they have back then? Any idea? Metal like brass, and if you shine up, shine up a metal as bright as you can. It just wasn't perfect, was it? Nope. You looked, you looked in it, and it's bumpy, and it doesn't reflect as well, and you're all kind of messed over. Like they, they didn't have mirrors. Uh, even in reflections, it gets kind of like ripply. It's amazing. You could, you really know the contours of someone else's face, but you never really saw your own. Uh, mirrors didn't really come out the way we know mirrors uh, just a couple hundred years ago. Didn't, didn't Napoleon have a, hall, a giant hall of mirrors at Versailles? And that was like a novel thing that you could actually see yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, it's like the carnival mark, uh, mirror where you go in and like, ooh, this made me tall, ooh, this made me fat, or this made me skinny. <laughs> yeah. Yep, we we see like in a mirror. So Paul's saying we don't know exactly. We don't know everything. Uh, hey, Corinthian Christians, we don't know. I'm the I'm the apostle. I don't know everything. But someday, someday I will I will know God as fully as I can know, just as I am fully known, just as God knows me. Uh, I was going to go somewhere with the mirrors. What was it? not hitting me. Uh, there's a couple places where, where people have said to see the face of God. There's a story of Moses. Seeing the, you know, Mo, they put Moses in a cleft and the presence of God walked before. Whether you saw God face to face. Whatever way, Charleston Heston came out with white hair instead of the brown hair that he had. Uh, mirror, mirror on the wall. That's a quote we always get wrong, by the way. Um, I'm, a, I won't, I'm gonna get it wrong if I try it now. Uh, was that Sleeping Beauty? Sleeping? No, that wasn't Sleeping Beauty. That was Snow White. Mirror, mirror on the wall. I don't even think that's the quote. Jen, look it up for me. What's the mirror, mirror quote? What, look, look it up, because I think we always say it wrong and while you're looking it up. Ooh, mirrors. Do you ever look at yourself in a picture? And you think, that's, that's not me. It's, I know it's me, but it doesn't look like me. 
magic mirror on the wall. Yeah, it's not mirror, mirror. It's magic mirror. We always, yeah. I could not remember how we get it wrong, but I knew we always get it wrong. Magic mirror. So you look in a mirror. Is that you? It is, but it's reversed, right? What you see in the mirror is backwards from every picture. Because a picture sees you the right way, but you're looking at yourself. Hmm. Long time ago, this, this is going to sound stupid. Long time ago, uh, seventh, eighth grade, when I started doing my hair. You know, before that, it's just floppy kid, whatever you do. Uh, but then junior high happened, and my sister said, you know what? You, you, you're not that bad. You're not that bad looking. Uh, if you comb your hair, maybe, just maybe. So I comb my hair, and I comb my hair. Ooh, and I had moose. Long time ago, I had hair. And it was like the most important thing in my life because I had hair. And the Lord laughed at that and said, later on, you won't, so ha-ha. But, uh, but I, I would comb it this, I would comb it, comb it. And about a year later, it, every picture I, I didn't like because it was not what I saw in the mirror. Because in my pictures, the hair went this way. And when I look at it, it goes this way. And so I changed it. I got to go this way because everyone's... Without thinking that now it's everything, just, yeah. Uh, every picture you look at, you don't like because it's the opposite of what you see in, in the mirror. Teaching high school, I was privy to a lot of uh, the way kids felt about themselves. And my son's girlfriend came in with her pictures, and she was really upset. And she said, my name was Hill then. She said, Miss Hill, does my hair really look like that? And it was when the ha they were taking the hair and ratting it down, and it was up here. And, I mean, it's straight. Yeah, they had a, like a satellite yeah. dish right here. Trying and, to catch. And, I, yeah. and I said, <laughs> I, I said, uh, Yes, your hair looks like that. That's how you've combed it. Well, I'm having these pictures taken over, and I'm not going to comb my hair like that anymore. <laughs> and I said, whatever makes you happy, dear. My kids asked, Dad, are you upset that you have... I, we just got... I just did our passport. We got to update our... Uh, it hit 10 years, and so it's time to get a new passport. And I, the passport, eye color, hair color... Uh, ten years ago, I put like brown blonde, something like that, and my kids like you can't put that there, Dad. Can't put it there, Dad. Does it bother you that you have gray hair? I'm like, I'm just happy to have hair. I don't care what color it is. Knowing that someday that's not going to be the case anyway. <laughs> but if I put all my pride in here, then I have not love, then I gain nothing, right? Uh, Paul talks about moving from childhood to adulthood. <clears throat> And what that entails, uh, language and thought and reasoning. And I've come to note in a disturbing fashion how our culture um, has, has become uh, it seems like we don't move to adulthood that, we, that, that much of our culture is caught in sort of adolescent uh, thinking, language, um, in 
conduct in in the political realm, in a public discourse, in our own discourse, and that we've come to accept it. And um, I think we're the worst for it. Uh, uh, you know, and when I think about um, the political realm and and uh, and adulthood, when I was at a youngster, there was a whole language that went with diplomacy that was uh, almost foreign uh, to me because they used formal language and a formal uh, mode of reasoning, etc. And so I, I think it's interesting that um, this, that unless you develop to adulthood, your love expression also will be arrested. Uh, so that's enough. Yeah. All right, give me a TV dad back in the day. TV dad. Mr. Cleaver. Okay. The dad from My Three Sons? Andy Griffin. Andy Griffin? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, most of these people, were they noble? Yes. Did they, did they know their stuff? Yes. Did they ever, they, they messed up every now and then, but they made up for it, right? They were kind, they were courteous, and they raised their kids. Give me a TV dad today. They don't have any. <laughs> Not a lot, do they? Yeah, I don't watch Yellowstone. Yeah. Is he a nice guy? No. He's not a good father. Yeah, um... Uh, this will probably date me, but um, oh, Tim, Tim Robin, uh, what was his name? Uh, comedian. Who, who, who? He would. Uh, Tim Allen. Tim Allen. He was. He was. He was kind of a doofus. <laughs> uh, he'd fix everything in the end, but he's the one who caused the problems in the first place. Uh, Homer Simpson's in there. Let's see. Uh, you, you go through you go through the TV dads today, and they're like, they're morons. Uh, you you don't want these people as your dads, and it's the mom who always has to clean up the mess, right? Uh, somewhere we we thought it was all right for men to be little boys, and uh, yeah, we lost we lost that along the line. Let's close it out. One verse. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The three great pursuits of the Christian life. The Corinthian Christians would have messed up on this. They would have said something like miracles, gifts, power. But it's faith, hope, and love. The gifts are useful and are given by the Holy Spirit today, but you got to focus on the faith, hope, and love. What is your Christian life focused on? What do you want more of? Hopefully it's faith, hope, and love. We don't have to choose between these three. He's not trying to make us uh, pick one. But without love as a motive and goal, then all the, all the gifts 
that God gives are meaningless distractions. If you lose love, you lose everything. So just for fun, um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on my little married couple back there. Can I pick on you guys for a minute? All right, sir, what is your name for everyone to hear? Keith. Keith, and what is your name, ma'am, for everyone to hear? Faye. Keith and Faye. Did you stand before, each, uh, before the altar once upon a time and pledge your love, devotion, faith, honor? Yes. Woohoo! All right. So sometimes I do this in my weddings. Uh, we, we, if, if they ask for this chapter. I said, all right, uh, we're going to practice. It, it makes sense in the middle of the sermon. It's not just a weird thing that I do. Although it could be that as well. <laughs> It's like, uh, we are supposed to be the embodiment of love to each other. That's the hope. Hopefully my wife sees love in me and I can see love in my wife. And I tell this wedding couple, on your anniversary, take a look at this chapter again and give yourself a report card. So what I want them to do is I want you to put your name where you see the word love to see how you're doing. And if you're not living up to it, Something to work on, right? So I would turn to the gentleman and say, Keith, let's see if this works. And I'm, I'm using uh, chapter four here, uh, verse four and onward. And Faye, you can tell me if this is true. Keith is patient. Keith is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. Keith does not dishonor others and he is not self-seeking. Keith is not easily angered, and he keeps no record of wrongs. That's usually when the bride starts to laugh. and like, all right, hold on. Keith does not delight in evil, but he rejoices with the truth. And he'll always protect you. He'll always trust you. He'll always have hope for you. And you too shall persevere. That sound about right? Aw. Most of them. <laughs> So then I'd go to, to the gal and say, all right, Faye, let's give it a shot. Faye is patient. She is kind. She does not envy. She does not boast. Faye is not proud. She does not dishonor others, and she is not self-seeking. And she is not easily angered, and she keeps no record of wrongs. Faye does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And Keith, she will always protect you always trust you, always have hope for you, and you too shall persevere. I'm assuming that when I was doing that, you kind of put your own name in there as well to see how you're doing. That's agape love. Well, may God bless you and keep you till we see each other again. We'll see uh, most of you, I think, on Sunday. Pastor Jen is giving the message for that we give thanks. And then, uh, yeah, we are, we're here next Tuesday, uh, but the office will be closed Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of Thanksgiving. Uh, the, the, the plan was, uh, I'm, I'm gone uh, Wednesday, Jen's gone Wednesday, Angela's gone Wednesday, Lucinda was going to keep the office open on Wednesday, but just, we're going to close it up, just to, just to be that. But we will be here next week, in case you're curious. Uh, over Christmas, we will take a break after Christmas and after New Year's, so we'll have two two Tuesdays off, but that's, that's only five and a half weeks away. We won't worry about that yet. Christmas, five and a half weeks away, uh, just so you know. Go in peace.